warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. Adam Minahan here sitting with David Niles. Welcome back to the studio. Thank you. It has been a while. Yeah. I Longer for you than I. A couple weeks. Yeah. And we have uh, a returning guest. I can't guest. believe I missed Dr. Ray. I know, dude. I was so bummed about that. I know. Well, you got to Father, watch. Father Sean and I were in San Antonio for a wedding. We That's were. true. That's true. Anglican use of the Roman Rite. Yeah, that yes. was exciting. Yeah, you're gonna have to talk Just a little get, bit yeah, more. Yeah, as close it. as you there can. You there you go. Right. Yeah. There so uh, our friend Kelly's getting married. It's my first time to go to the Anglican use. Attend a. I thought it was ordinate, very, right? England ordinariate. Ordinariate. Yeah. Ordinariate. Ordinariate. Yeah. Ah. Words. Yeah. Pronunciations really. Mm. More than the words. Yes. Anyway, so Father Sean Donovan, welcome back. Welcome to the, to the Catholic Man Show. Thank you. Good to be back. The last time you were here, we had not introduced video. I don't believe. Did we have? Yes, we did because we uh, we had his uh, fencing photos. Yes, we did. Yes, yes. that's yep. right. Okay. Anyway, well, welcome back. Thank you, and I'm sure that you've already loaded up a couple of different videos with regard to our gear. Huh? Uh, no, the vi- we if you want the videos, you got to go to our Facebook page. Oh. Uh, or, or, or well, council, there, man. There, there's also we'll be I'll be giving out a website mm-hmm. where other oh, videos can be good. Also, I might turn it on. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's not your house. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to uh, support the Catholic Man Show, you can go to Patreon.com/slash The Catholic Man Show. Yes. That is how you can, for as little as four dollars a month. As little as four dollars, you can uh, or you any can, other amount. Yes, uh, no amount is too much. Correct. So um, correct. So anyway, uh, this this is the first segment. I'm really excited about our drink that we're having this evening, uh, Glendronic, twelve year. I've had I have not had the twelve year before. However, I have had the twenty one year. He's slumming with and, us. Yes. yes, and so I. Uh, My I, guess is he didn't have to pay for the twenty one. I actually year. did, but I only, I paid a drink. I only paid for a drink. Oh, okay. Uh, I went to the. If you live in the Portland area, Portland Oregon area, um, the whiskey bar. Mount Noma Whiskey Bar is the place to go. It is just top notch. It is the way to go. Um, so anyway, so we're gonna try the uh, Glendronic Twelve Year this evening. Uh, it is, it is a yeah, nice job. Watch out for the propane tank on the table. <laughs> uh, it is one of the well-known sherry cask uh, Highland scotches. So. We'll talk. We'll we'll do do a little taste test there. Here we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass, and cheers. Cheers. So um, the appearance is a deep. Th- these are the tasting notes on the website. I, I printed them off today, so that mm. way we could a little cherry on the nose. That way we can uh, be official here. 
It says the appearance is a deep amber red gold, which is very typical for a sherry cask finish. You get more of the red amber color um, in the scotches. Uh, the nose, it says it's sweet, creamy vanilla with hints of ginger, spiced mold wine and pear. Hmm, I don't get pear. To me, the fruit that I oh, smell... Oh, I definitely it, get pear. Do you? The fruit that Do I smell pear? is cherry. Vanilla. It's funny that we all three are smelling the same thing, and we all yeah. three are, are saying different things. Yeah, we also have the fan on, which kind of makes it more <laughs> difficult for the smelling. It does. It does. Uh, so on, on the palate, it's, it says it's rich, creamy, silky smooth, warm, rich oak, and sherry sweetness, a full mouth feel, mm. raisins, and soft fruits. You get that one? You get that? Yep. Okay. did too, huh? Uh, spicy yes. with a medium length and dry finish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the finish is pretty. Well, that is pretty. That's long. still on the palate. We're not even. We're not to the actual finish. Oh, you said the word finish. Right. Yeah, but but we're still on the oh, palate. Oh, the palate. Okay. Yes, I see. You're jumping the gun. So there's there's a finish before the finish. Before the finish. Before the grand finale, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. yeah so the conclusion is long, full, and firm. Yeah, because it does have a slightly long nutty. Uh huh. I like this. This uh because a lot of Highlands. I mean, I've said this before. They, I think they, they're kind of boring. After drinking Isla scotches all the time, you go to a, a Highland, which is, wow, just so smooth. It just goes down so nice. And you're like, yeah, but where's the excitement? But this one is is uh, is good. Like, it's a, got a complexity that's a little bit different. Um, I think it might be the, the, the dried fruit mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you were talking about, Father Donovan. I don't know. It's, yeah, so, so it's got more to chew on. Uh, so it's different. It's two different sherry casks. Uh, Spanish Pedro. How do you say that, Dave? How do you think? Jimenez. Huh? Jimenez. Jimenez. And Oloroso sherry casks, yeah. which is what uh, Glenmorangie uses. Right. Oloroso just means smelly. Is that what that means? Yeah. Are you serious? It means smelly? Smelly. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the Spanish Pedro, say it again. Uh, uh, Jimenez. Jimenez. Mm-hmm. Spanish Pedro Jimenez is, it gives you, gives it more of the sweetness. What language is Jimenez? It's also Spanish. I've never Spanish. seen an X. I mean, I don't speak Spanish. Or I mean, no, you don't. But no. <laughs> <laughs> my three year old daughter <laughs> shocker. My three year old daughter thinks <laughs> thinks that I do. Yeah. So, but but the uh, the Spanish casks give it more of the sweetness to it, and then the uh, Oloroso casks, the smelly ones. Yeah, the smelly yeah. cask gives it more of the nutty piney. Uh, taste to it. Do you know why we call it sherry? Sherry casks? No. Because the British refused to actually pronounce the words properly in other languages. Sounds it, a lot like Americans. Exactly. Yep. They are kind I of like it. intellectual <laughs> forebears in that way. <laughs> no, that's not how we say it. Well, it's our language. I don't care. Yeah. So it's from the town of Jerez in southern Spain with a J-E-R-E-Z and the British just started calling them Jerry's. Jerry's. Jerry wine. So then it <laughs> became sherry, sherry over time. After, after Jerry's. Yeah, give me some Jerry's, Jerry's, and then became sherry. Hilarious. Yep. <clears throat> oh, hey, I This is w- why we have Father Donovan on the show. He is a wealth, <laughs> a wealth of knowledge. Just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> He's very similar to uh, Jimmy Aiken on the Catholic Answers. Yeah. Jimmy Aiken just kind of like knows just a little bit about everything. I think it's just because we're redheads that you think that we're like. And you have the beards. Yeah. I don't know. Can you, can you uh, do a... a what what's a dance call like? What does he do? Like, uh, oh, squir- running square- man. Yeah, he calls square dance. Square dance. Yeah. No, you can't do that. No. Well, sorry. That's okay. Uh, 
I'm also being told that his mic is just a little quiet. Okay, I can I'll fix lean that. in. Okay, there does you that go. Help? Yeah, yeah, probably that, does. that is All that right. is better. I think. Yes, I'm gonna lean in. Uh, but I, yeah, uh, you want to get right into that, like feminists. <laughs> lean in. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to Tre- <laughs> that was really funny, brother. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to uh, Trevor Brown. He's in uh, Armenia. And Armenia. Armenia. Yeah, that's a place. And he's, that is a place. That is a place. Yeah. He, and he uh, was getting up at four thirty in the morning. Whoa. To to watch us live. Well, which done. I feel like is more of a commitment than I would be willing to I do. I really feel bad now that we had a later dinner. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. he got to he sleep have... in a little bit more. Well, he hit this news maybe a little. Maybe. Or maybe but, he's been sitting there staring at his computer screen. Yeah. Like Seriously, they were supposed guys. to come Let's on already. Come yeah. on. Well, Fa- wait, Father. I so I was thinking about this. Speaking of places, and like we're calling things things. Calling things things. <laughs> what is when you describe something as Flemish? Right. What is that? Because as far as I know, there's not a, a place called Phlegm. And what really That's disturbs right. me is that it's, in my experience, ref- food is referred to as Flemish. And it's like, oh, would you and like art. this? It's Flemish. It's yeah. Like, oh, no. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I because don't. it's from Flanders. The Vlanderen. Flanders. And we don't say, like, Vlums. Vlums, the Vlums are the people, and it's also Flemish. Vlums with a V. Hmm. But like the British, we like, well, we're going to call you Flemish. Instead of <laughs> instead of Vlums, Vlums sounds a lot better, doesn't it? It sounds way better than Flemish. Yeah, especially really, considering when phlegm. Yeah, like with food, it's like, oh, this is Flemish. Would you like it? No, you really should. Don't eat that. Have some Stoflace. Stoflace. Google Stoflace. It's a fantastic beer. I don't even know how to spell that. Do S T O O V L E E V L E E S Stoflace. Are you going to correct him? No. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to put all those letters together in my head. It's fantastic. I, t- I will tell you, though, the one culture that does need to be corrected in their pronunciation is the Scottish. Those guys don't know how to say the words that they have written. Well, to be fair, I mean, right? Scottish Gaelic is originally from Ireland, so they're actually kind of speaking a foreign language even when they're speaking their native language. Yeah. Burn. But it's supposed to be English. Burn. <laughs> That is kind of a burn. It's kind of a burn, but you know, considering my roots, and you know, yeah, being an Irish American, yeah, I have my favorites. Who isn't? I'm not going to pretend like I don't. Who isn't have Irish though? Just about everybody, even some of the Scottish. Yeah. Hmm. Even so, though they would never admit it. Well, it's funny though, because you know, a lot of you talk to any Scottish person or Scottish American, they'll say, "Oh, yeah, sure." The the Irish may have invented whiskey, but the Scottish perfected it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, but it is delicious. Thank you. It's. I good. certainly like. You know what? I'm a. I take a very both and approach. I like. I love it all. It's great. Really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this is um, as far as sherry casks go. I think I like this one better than the Glamorangi. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that I do too. Th- this is a. I think I could drink this one on on the regular more so. I like the Glamorangi with sherry cask, but kind of as a. Every now and then sort of thing. You know, I don't think I would want to drink it all the time with the sherry. I think that if you're just getting into the scotch game, uh, the the sherry casks are a great way to transition from, especially from, like, uh, Irish whiskey, because it, it's a little sweeter. Very smooth. Yeah, it's a very yeah. smooth. It's not the uh, strong peatiness of a Laphroaig, if you will. Yeah. So yeah. when we get back... We're going to jump into the awesome man gear that we have in store for you. I cannot wait. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and the good priest, Father Sean Donovan, priest of God. Uh, guys, I just want to tell you, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're going to wish you were watching us on the video because we're going to melt your face off with today's man gear. And if you were here, that would literally be possible. The man gear for today... Which we wouldn't do. Let's just... We, we wouldn't. Just, we would not do that. We wouldn't. But it would happen. Because then we wouldn't give them the opportunity to be incorrupt. Unless, of course, God worked a miracle and restored his face to perfect... Or kept the fire from burning them, which yes. there are precedents. Like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Oh, throwback. Old yeah. Testament. My dad, yeah. I remember being a kid, at the end of the night, he would say, Meshach, Shadrach, and to bed we go. <laughs> Hashtag dad joke. Classic, classic Mr. Niles right there. Yes. Hey, uh, I heard this on the liturgy, guys. You know how you can tell if a, if a joke is a dad joke or not? No. The pun should be apparent. <laughs> but you know what? That's what makes dad jokes. Okay, guys, let's let's talk let's, about the man. Let's gear. get serious. We need plenty hey, of time. If you're listening right now, I would like you to, to stop to stop whatever you're doing. Get a little closer to the to Snuggle this in. to the speaker. Really focus for just a minute. Right. This is something with that, all of your energy. Yes. This is today's man gear. Is a grill gun. Dave, what's a grill gun? It's a grill. Gun, it is a flamethrower. <laughs> so you know I'm all about it. <laughs> okay, you've listened to other podcasts, <clears throat> so other episodes. If you remember, uh, oh, a couple months ago, I got a a knife forged. Yes, I do remember it was that a gift. Uh, that was by a young man. Uh, he turned 16. Uh, the day I d- the day I received my knife. Um, so he built a forge. His name was Tim Healy. Mm-hmm. His father. When I was there picking up the knife, showed me this prototype that he was working on. And so I have been waiting. He bound me to secrecy. So I was unable to express my joy on the show, even though I wanted to. Really bad. Um, so this is what he created. He created the grill gun. It is a propane, but I think it runs on other... other uh, Flame, like butanes as well, you know the other the other tanes, all the tanes. I don't know about methane. Maybe you could try. <laughs> Ocasio Cortez yes. said there is a lot of good things to use methane. <laughs> so anyway, this grill gun. Uh, for those of you on the podcast, what I have here is just a small propane tank hooked up to a what looks like a gun with a long barrel and a, a bell at the end. Um, and I'm a, I am going to demonstrate here in just a second. Okay. Um, don't, don't catch, catch. No, I'm mics. not, I, I won't, I won't, I, it'll be okay. <laughs> I've done it inside already. Okay. In my own house. This was designed so that you could just take your charcoal grill, put the charcoal, you just arrange the charcoal how you want it to be when you're grilling. Cause that's, that's kind of a problem sometimes. You load it up in a, a chimney or something, and then you've got you know the charcoal and you dump it out, but then you realize it doesn't fit together, you know, kind of how you want. You always have a dead spot, mm-hmm. and there's it's so hot. There's not a, you can't always maneuver it very well, so you just kind of work with it. Well, in this case, you just take your charcoal and lay it out however you want, mm-hmm. so that it's the right way. You know, you're going to have a nice even fire, mm-hmm. and then you light this bad boy up. 
and you just toast the charcoal for about 60 seconds and it's ready to go. Ready to go. You, you can throw the steaks on right after that. I did this yesterday. Mm-hmm. I tested it myself. You got a little rambunctious. I was. Uh, I went longer than 60 seconds and I realized it was just because I wanted to. I was having so much fun. <laughs> I just, oh, I can't be done yet. I'll just keep it going for a second. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I went for about 90 seconds, I'd say. And immediately afterwards, I put the meat on the grill. And it, I had my thermometer. It was 400 degrees. And it was very cold yesterday. It was uh, like, 25 degrees, yeah, 20 something degrees when I started. So, so anyway. Fahrenheit. Uh, what if you do. This, if this doesn't work, Father, do you... Do you have the holy oils, like last rites? Are you ready to in go? In the car. They're in the car. As long as you don't light me on fire. Okay. So you can see. Now. This is something. You definitely want to check this out on YouTube. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's awesome. I would love to keep doing that, but we are inside. And we have a lot of in equipment. Kind of a small room. Yes. And, you know, every fire puts off two byproducts. If you know what they are, like, and, you know, so we could burn up all the oxygen in the room if we just sat here. And I'm continually impressed by your wives for not breaking down the door and shutting this down. <laughs> well, we kind of, we kind of get got ourselves a loophole. They're like, you're not going to do that in the studio, are you? And I was like, no, possibly. No way. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yes, we are. Okay. So, so how do they, how do they get this? How go they- to, so there will be a Kickstarter launching soon. Um, go to grillblazer.com. Grillblazer.com. If you go to grillgun.com, it takes you to grillblazer.com. Okay. Um, and sign up. Put get, You can put your email in, and then you'll get notified when the Kickstarter goes. It's going to be $100. Can I buy two? Yes. You including can. shipping. Including shipping. Right. That includes the shipping. And also, if he gets enough, you know, uh, if he gets enough, Signups. He's going to start releasing the other gun models. So he has an Imperial Blaster model. Nice. Um, and he's got several others that are, you know, very awesome in the same kind of way. Great. Yeah. So yeah. all I can tell you is that I did it, and that it was awesome. <laughs> and even Pamela loved it because when uh, it's very hard not to love it. Charcoal grilling. Her frustration is that well, you have to start it. You know, like. I don't usually start the coals at the right time, right. and so it delays the whole meal, and that's hard for her because she's trying to time the rest of the meal right. with when the the meat is going to be so ready. So if you're a procrastinator or right. bad at planning... And yeah. your daughter Elizabeth apparently only eats things that are grilled. Oh my gosh, dude. It is. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> uh, this grill gun is for you because 60 seconds in, boom, you're ready to go. I can also tell you it works phenomenal at lighting tiki torches yes yeah. first-hand experience yes we did that earlier and if you flip it upside down oh yeah yeah in the 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 safety video on grillblazer.com says not to do that <laughs> all right don't we're do not liable right. if you do right so it's a but. blue flame if you shoot it oh, normally yeah, tell them, tell them okay yeah so it's uh designed so that you're not shooting out just a regular yellow flame you're shooting out blue flame so it's yeah maximum heat being delivered to the charcoal also um it works really good you know like when you start it when you want to start grilling and you got to try to scrape the charcoal you know a good way to get it really clean blaze it up first yeah because then all the grease starts to soften soften, and then you can you can get your grill really clean Uh um by doing that so it's a win 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 
and I'm sure there's more wins in there. I know there are. There have to there, be. There, exactly. <laughs> there have to be. Yeah. So um, go to grillblazer.com. It's just so, $100. $100. That's so that's amazing. That's not bad at all. No. Well, I've heard theoretically if you flip it upside down, you get a much bigger flame. Theoretically, if you yeah. flip it upside down, you will start to burn the liquid propane instead ah. of the, the gaseous propane. Which, which you should not do. Is, turns which we into a ask you not to do it. But if you did, it but turns theoretically, into- if you did it, and I will tell you uh, on the safety video on grillblazer.com, he says, <laughs> don't do that. It's not going to hurt the grill gun. But don't do that. <laughs> So don't do that. Don't do it. But if you did, what would happen? You just have a. Uh, it, it goes about five feet. It turns into a flamethrower. Shoots flame about five three, five feet. It's huge. So it's, it's glorious. Hypothetically, when, theoretically, <laughs> it's okay, glorious. So, so, so the Kickstarter starts uh, soon. He needs. He's uh, trying to get like certain number of people to sign up. Okay. So that he knows he's got some momentum. Kickstarter is kind of important because, you know, you only have... Like, like uh, 72 hours or something like that. Well, no, no. It's like, it depends on your I campaign. I you probably set it. You set your campaign to be different, but typically it's like 30 days to hit your number. And so if you don't have... If you have no momentum going into it, mm-hmm. it it's not good. When are they going to ship them? Do you know? Um, he, well, he he first if, has it, to hit the number. It's going to work. Yeah. The, the number is going to get there. If, if he doesn't get the right amount... None of them will be made. Right. And, you know, all the money gets returned to the people who signed up. So. Right. And this is the path to Imperial Blazers. Right. Uh, right. So, Blast. Exactly. So, you got yes. to do this. That's the one I want, for sure. You can have one sure. of each. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, what, a 45 model? I would say. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Looks close enough. It's a handgun yeah. model. Yeah. But it's just so awesome. It's brilliant. It's brilliant in its simplicity. It works very well. Like, I've I've never had the trigger... So the trigger, Not, the trigger lights the it. The trigger just lights. And then there's a... And then, yeah, so the, the trigger, all it does is it just creates a spark. Right. Um, and then then you got that, which is... So it's two independent valves, uh-huh. okay? Um, you can open it two different ways. But this is the... Uh, the juice. Yeah, the juice. Or you could just open this. Once you have it lit, you can just open the top valve, and it's like... Cruise control. Okay, so if you need to like melt ice on your driveway, mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. have ra- leaves that you need that you have raked up, right, that- right. If you want to take the paint off of a metal wall, so I have to admit, you asked me yesterday if I wanted to be on the show, and I said sure only after you said we're gonna have a flamethrower. <laughs> I said okay, 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 I'll do, I'll do that. And I, and I was the whole time I was thinking, this is really cool and totally impractical. So I thought until. We went out to the grill, the and then I realized, gun. no, this is a grill gun. Flamethrower is a really colorful description. Yeah. Sorry, I left the camera on me that whole time. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Eche homo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that joke's just, it, it's like, never not it funny. Just, yeah, it yeah. just never runs always out, good. does it? Always good. It's, it's always good. Uh, Father, when we get back from the break, we're going to put the, the grill gun down. Maybe, maybe. Possibly. We may pick it back up. But uh, we will talk about Incorruptible Saints. Fantastic. Let's do it. Okay. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Happy to announce that my house is not on fire. Yeah. That was that went very it's not, well. It's not even on fire. It's not on fire. Everything went very well. We had a delicious scotch. We played with a flamethrower. It's a controlled burn. It was a controlled burn. Controlled indoors. Indoors. In- <laughs> How many people can say that? Yeah. I've shot off a flamethrower inside. You two are in Boy Scouts? Yeah. Yeah. I got Cub Scouts. You got your fireman but... shit? Yeah. Yeah, you would have gotten revoked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't have been the first time. Me <laughs> neither. <laughs> uh, so, Father, we're going to talk about Incorruptibles today. Yes. That's 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 the topic. And I, I find it interesting that I went on YouTube to... Is listen. Incorruptibles the right term? I don't mean to interrupt your story. I'm sorry. It is. Indeed. The, the Incorruptibles. You can, okay. You can also just call them Incorrupt Saints. Okay. Incorrupt mm-hmm. Saints. So, you went on YouTube. I interrupted you. I that's apologize. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can go to that, that camera angle. Um yeah, so I went on YouTube to like listen to a bunch of, my, my hope was to listen to a bunch of talks on Incorruptible Saints, and it turns out there wasn't a whole lot worth listening to, so I didn't have a whole lot to go off of, but the beautiful thing about this whole episode is that we invited Father Sean Donovan. Yes. So we didn't, I didn't have to prep a whole lot. Right. And we just threw this out at the end of our last uh, session. Mm-hmm. Said, we should do one. Have you even had one on Incorruptible Saints yet? And we said, no. No, we should do that. Yeah, okay. so here we are. So what is an incorruptible saint? Okay, so... Let's get terminology down. Joan Carol Cruz, uh, she wrote a book back in 1974, and uh, that got the imprimatur then and the Nihil Obstat, and the copyright's 1977. Joan Carol Cruz, this was her, her first book. She's phenomenal. She's actually a housewife who wrote a bunch of devotional books, and this was her first... She. Like the first year in, she felt a little overwhelmed, and so she stopped her research. Because hmm. I just got to take, you know, focus on the family. Uh, this is too big of a, you know, uh, project to deal with. Eventually, she went back to it and finished the book. And then several other books, which I, I recommend all of her books. They're all phenomenal. She wrote another one on Eucharistic Miracles, another one called um, Mysteries, Marvels, and Miracles, which each chapter is divided by which charism all these lists of saints share. So all the saints who bilocate, all the saints who have stigmata, all the saints who can read hearts, all the saints who were incorrupt. Don't you think being able to read like read hearts would be such a burden at times? Maybe. You know, like, They're so saintly, I don't think it bothers them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. It would, it would definitely bother, bother me. Like normal people? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would not want to do that. No. Yeah. And then what's the difference between reading hearts and reading minds? Like, Right. So incorruptibles, and um, <laughs> yes, yes. So she, in her introduction, she also breaks it down the difference between uh, deliberately preserved bodies, accidentally preserved bodies, and incorrupt saints. So uh, deli- a good distinction, I think, very important because oftentimes people would accuse the the church or somebody else of promoting somebody to be an incorrupt saint when in fact they were just embalmed or they were their body was put in a in an environment where it would naturally be preserved. Uh, unduly long, whether it was a sealed casket or an extremely dry environment would that, that would help to make their skin like leather and last a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, to define it, incorrupt saints are those who by no natural means uh, nor any kind of deliberate uh, embalming are free from either some or all corruption of their physical body after death. So mummies do not count. They do not count. Right. right. Because okay. that would be deliberate. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's a miracle. 
It's a miracle. Yeah. That's right. It's a miraculous lack of decomposition. Yes. So uh, also, uh, incorrupt bodies oftentimes have uh, blood or clear oils flowing out of them, like Padre Pio's body or St. Charbel Makhlouf. And uh, they also uh, sometimes have uh, the odor of sanctity, which smells can like roses. smell like roses. That's These are the two most common characteristics of uh, possibly... Uh, you know, canonizable saints, right? So they'll inspect the body as part of the canonization process. That's now normal part of the pro- part of the process because it was so common. You open up a casket, you see that they're incorrupt. They also smell like roses instead of like rotting flesh. And uh, either all of their body or part of their body is miraculously preserved. So uh, Saint Charbel, he had probably one of the more notable uh, conditions because he was floating in a pond of water and mud. Uh, for many years after his death, floating, floating, not in a casket, just his body. It should have rotted a long time. Where before? Where was he? Probably Lebanon. Lebanon. No, but I mean, he wasn't in a casket. No, according to the the laws of his religious community, they didn't use caskets. They would just put the body in the ground. Hmm. And then he wrote. Yeah. I think, so, so, so he's just in the in the ground. In the ground. In the wet, muddy ground. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So why do you think God does this? Because, I mean, obviously, it has to do something with the importance of where body, soul, composites. Right. Um, is it... It's like, prefiguring their glorified bodies. And it shows the reflection of their incor- the incorrupt state of their soul. Right? So if mm. they had a very holy soul, God will allow their body to reflect that sanctity after death. So okay. it's, it strikes me as a sign that this person is not dead but living. Yes. Right, because, um, you know, when a person is alive, we refer to them as in, in the singular. But after a person dies, we refer to the remains of a person. So it, now all of a sudden they become many parts because they're, you know, now they're breaking down. They're not necessarily one thing. It's just kind of a... What we do with relics. Yeah, a, a, a thing well that we now. do. It's like, oh, the remains. Right, um, which is what relics means. But in this case, it's almost like... You know their body is they're not they're not being animated by their soul anymore because they're not there. But uh, the effects of that animation are still sort of present. I mean, I I don't want to slip into you know right. saying anything so, wrong, but but it's definitely indicating uh, that this particular body will be glorified for all eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice indication of it. And uh, we had also mentioned very briefly the. Uh, the also seven characteristics of glorified bodies, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. He also, he actually... Yes, St. Thomas Aquinas, shout out. In the Summa, yeah. third part, supplement. Uh, technically, he gave four, because the first three of uh, identity, integrity, and quality uh, are shared by the good and the wicked. Uh, this is Articles 79, 80, and 81. But then later on, he continues by talking about impassibility, subtlety, agility, and clarity. 82, 83, 45 in the third part. So identity, it'll be your actual body that gets glorified. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, of course, it'll be uh, complete, intact, and also the glorified body uh, with which everyone has in his glorified body will be is in the prime of life. Yeah, when is that? for? And that, that, that changes for everybody, obviously. Well, or, probably Saint, may, or maybe 33. St. Thomas well, supposes people, 33. A lot of people don't yeah. live till 33. 
Right. Well, that, that'd, that'd be kind of awesome. It's not a problem though. Yeah. Yeah, I guess not. For God, um, no. Yeah, because you'll. He can probably do that. He can, he can do it's that. not contrary to his nature, I guess. Whereas to who he is. The four elements of a glorified body: agility would be you can, like our Lord did, like at the end of a mass, he just it's gone. You can move at the speed of thought, like yes. the, like the angels, right? Subtlety. You can like our Lord pass through the door in the upper room. We can do that. That's subtlety. Subtlety. That's I see. I thought that would be impassibility. No, impassable means you're not passable, and then subtlety actually means you can. Okay. Right. And impassibility is never being pain, sickness, suffering, or death. Oh, impass. Yeah. Impassibility. Yeah, impassable because nothing's impossible. I uh, see. I see. Yeah, there we go. That's a what is it? House in Wonderland reference. And uh, <laughs> you have children. You should know. And uh, clarity. That's uh, in reference to the transfigured body of our Lord. That our bodies will actually be shining spiritually and physically uh-huh. in the final state. So uh, the, especially with the impassibility, never being pain, sickness, suffering, or death, and also having that elements of like a transfigured body. Uh, is what these incorrupt bodies are prefiguring. Okay. Right. Okay. So we were talking about this uh, before we got recording, how the they were doing construction at the Great Chartreuse, right. which is the Carthor- Carthusian head... Yeah, mother house. Yeah. Mother house. Where is it? In France, in France. France. Yeah, in the mountains in France. And uh, in the you process, can... they were digging up, doing some digging, and they found some bodies... That were incorrupt. That, yeah, and they found one after the other, and they just kept finding... They had to cancel the construction project because they kept finding all these incorrupt bodies buried in the ground where they were digging. Right. And they also don't label the, the names of the monks in the, in the tombs unless they're the father abbot. So they don't know who these people were. They can't prom- promote their cause for canonization. Yeah. They went to the father abbot and they said, we have all these incorrupt saints. And he said, that should be the normal result of religious life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Boom. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just kind of forget to have that attitude about, you know, God said he was going to give us grace, so don't shouldn't you expect it? I mean, do right. you not trust him? Do you not take him at his word cuz I do, you know. Put your brother back. He's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh so miracles are, are like why 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 is he doing it? Like why why does God provide miracles for us? It helps with faith, doesn't it? I mean, if you go yeah. there and you inspect, oftentimes the church uses uh, atheistic or agnostic uh, physicians to inspect uh, the bodies of those who have been healed miraculously or incorrupt saints' bodies to be able to say, yeah, this is beyond medical knowledge. This doesn't make any sense. But we have so many. In this book alone, there are over 100 uh, incorrupt saints that she lists. That's far from all of them. Uh, I've only visited like nine or ten of them. And a lot of them are in Rome, which is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, St. Francis Xavier, I mean, he's like 500 years dead. He looks 500 years dead. He's in Goa. But he's got everything nearly intact, except for like a big toe that was bitten off by a really devoted person. By a really devoted person? (laughs) For a relic. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. On the break, take a second, if you would, in your charity, pray for my grandfather who passed away one year ago today, Mm. Jerry Minahan. Uh, we'll get back talking about Incorruptibles with Father Sean. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan and Father Sean Donovan of the Diocese of Tulsa, pastor in Eastern of, Oklahoma. Uh, in Eastern Oklahoma, Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma, pastor of Immaculate Conception, Immaculate in, Conception in Pahuska, Oklahoma. And St. Mary's in Barnsdale and St. Anne's in Scheidler. There you go. Three, place, three places most people have never never heard of. Including if you live in Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> most people maybe in Oklahoma have heard of Pahuska, but Barnsdall and yes. maybe maybe they've heard of Scheidler. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they have. Maybe. Anyway, we're talking about incor- incorrupt saints. Yes. In between breaks, which by the way, you can go back uh, on our videos and listen in between our breaks uh, for our conversations, but I think there's a distinction that was made in between the breaks that we should probably make sure that we cover, and that is what what like we're talking about whether it's just the skeleton or skin and organs like what makes it incorrupt right so you have to have what qualifies it i guess some uh um like unduly prolonged intact skin or organs like for instance the heart of blessed stanley rother is still incorrupt mm-hmm. but the rest of his body's not uh whereas other saints their entire body still has all of its muscle and skin on it Mm-hmm. Or some just some. There are varying degrees of incorruptibility, and it's not that they're, you know, not decaying at all. Some of them are. St- they are slowly, slowly, well, they slowly. They all will eventually. So well, maybe. I mean, they could be un. They could be perfectly undecayed until the second coming. Yeah, Mary says, uh, I guess "Echo so. me." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe not, but some okay. of them I do, fine, as I fine. understand, anyway. There's always that throw in Mary, and <laughs> yeah. that's always bust yeah. every okay. argument. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. Well, except for her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but some and of them... Elijah and Enoch. They do decay just very, very, very slowly, is that right? Well, yes, they do, and sometimes, like, I think most notably, St. Cecilia, who died in 177, she has a beautiful statue in her church in Rome. There it is, right there. Hopefully you can see it. Kind of, sort of, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's what she looked like after she had been partially beheaded and took a couple days to die. She was uh, singing uh, while she was bleeding out. And you can actually see on her neck, there's a, still a, a slice into her neck from where the executioner kind of botched the job. And uh, so because she was singing as she was dying slowly, she's patroness of music. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, she was singing with her throat cut. Yeah, only like half the way. I mean, he did a really I mean, bad just an job. artery, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so they dug her up the second time in 1599, about f- 1,400 years after she died, and she was still incorrupt. And they wow. knew that she was incorrupt the first time they dug her up. So this time they brought a sculptor, and the sculptor did a sketch of exactly what she looked like. When they opened up her tomb, and it looks like she's just lying down. And so he sketched it, and then he, he carved this statue of what her relics looked like back in 1599 with a bunch of other witnesses around there as well. But this way, they could ensure that if she were her body were ever too corrupt, that the rest of us could enjoy that 1,400 years of miraculous preservation. Yeah. And it seems that our Lord in his infinite wisdom decided, okay, now that we have a statue of it and everybody can appreciate 1,400 years of this preservation, he let her corrupt. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so... See, that's so interesting, I think. Yeah, the the preservation, I think, is is interesting to talk about also because there's there's some saints, if you look like St. Padre Pio, uh, he 
they they've put a wax something on his face. Yeah. Uh, which nobody's a fan of that here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of that because I think that like this is a, a miracle that God is is doing, and if don't try to dress it up. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like it, it, if it's a miracle, let it be a miracle. That's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, you don't, you're not helping God, right? And I understand that they're just trying to make it look prettier or yeah, look, make it look pretty. Yeah, because who else is it that's in? Um, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is there. Who else? A lady. St. Clair of Assisi? Yes. Yeah. She's incorrupt, uh, but she's totally covered in wax. Yeah. And you can't even... But it, so I mean, they look kind of scary. I mean, they're, they're, their skin is super leathery and old. I mean, it's still brown. there, but though. That's, that's okay. I know. It's right. Like, because when they cover them in wax, they kind of make it look like they have makeup on and like have yeah. pink cheeks. And it's like... Well, they're Italian. They're like, well, we got to make a little bit look better, you yeah, know, like no. fare la bella figura, you know. I don't think it looks better. No, but, but we want to see the real deal. But yeah, it's not that the Catholic Church is trying to hide it or like play, you know, like try to pull the the wool over the it, what's the saying? Wool over, over your eyes. eyes. Thank you. I was gonna say head, and I was like, nope, that's not right. Oftentimes, yeah. they'll only uncover those things during their feast day for a procession, so you can venerate the actual relic. Okay. And what about when certain saints? You know, they'll have their blood in, in a vial, right. and it will reliquify. Yeah, like St. Januarius. Yeah. Yeah, but not all the time, but sometimes. Is that considered incorrupt? I mean, if your blood, because your blood should go, I mean, it should decay as it's well. It's miraculous, for sure. Yeah, but it kind of does like, but it's not a, turn an into like a body a part, clump, right. and then mm-hmm. it comes back into red blood, mm-hmm. and it kind of turns into a clump again. There are a lot of other um, like blood miracles too. Yeah, including our Lord's Lunchana. I mean, it just yes. seems like that's a, a yeah. type of incorruptibility. Mm-hmm. You could maybe put because underneath the whole the blood should. I mean, after yeah. years, it should just go away. Well, it's body parts and it's miraculous, so right? There should be okay. nothing in the jar. Big header. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. If I was in the congregation for saints, I'd say sure. You get to go in the same general category. Yeah. yeah. One of the subcategory. One of the most famous right. corruptible incorruptible is Saint Bernadette. Yeah, she's like, amazing. Actually, she's the one on the cover of the book. She's the she's the cover model. Yeah, St. Bernadette. She's the one that like she hung out with great. the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah, and is that that's no wax, right? No. That's, I mean, that's just, just her. her. Yeah. She, she looks, looks like peaceful. she's sleeping. She does. And actually St. Catherine Labore, she doesn't look as good but nearly as good. I've been able to see St. Catherine Labore in Paris. You can actually just stop off at Rudebach Metro stop, walk over to the convent. And there she is. You think that if you kneel down in front of St. Catherine Labore in her glass coffin, if you pray too loudly, you're going to wake her up. Really? It's amazing. So I named uh, our third daughter, our youngest daughter, is Bernadette. It's a good one. It's a good, it's a good name. Yeah. Yeah. Bernadette Colby. Nice. Ooh, yeah. Nice. I knew that. I, I'm just at. I'm just affirming yeah. your, Thank you. your decision. Thank you. There are a bunch You're of incorrupt saints. You're Pamela's decision. I mean, there yeah. are a bunch of incorrupt saints also in... In Rome, but even in St. Peter's Basilica, but because of the wax, you can't always even tell, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. he, or St. Joseph had, like St. Joseph had, he's, he's buried in St. Peter's Basilica. He, okay, little trivia. He's the only uh, person who was uh, baptized Eastern, Eastern Orthodox, canonized in the Roman Catholic Church, and buried in St. Peter's. So he was never a Roman Catholic? He became a Roman Catholic. He worked towards unity between the Easterns and the Westerns. Mm, okay. So And they killed him for it, and then we took him home. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you can go to his tomb, but because of the dress-up of the body, you can't tell it's yeah. incorrupt. But it's still very beautiful. Father, I have a question for you about 
pursuing sainthood. Okay, I, uh, I'm for it. Yes. I'm pro. Yeah. Yes. Okay, but I mean pursuing canonized like I want to be a canonized saint. Ah, that becomes a little bit more squishy in terms of pride. Right. I mean, it, right. But, but you and your vast humility. Would know exactly. That, you know. It's fine. Fine for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm. It's. It's okay. But well, don't worry. Okay. Guys. So Saint Faustina, she in her in her diary was very clear that she wanted to be the first canonized saint of her order. Um. It was that was her goal. So motivation is important as well because why would you want to do it for her order? Mm-hmm. So that way she could also bring attention to this beautiful charism. Right. And then that, that Jesus have, called her to start a new order. And, right. Yeah. So that might be a good uh, in, intentionality is really important, right? Like yeah. If you're just, uh, just, if you're called to the exalted vocation of holy matrimony, then, you know, there actually, there's a huge book also written by Joan Carol Cruz. It is probably f- five to six times the width of this book. It's huge. It's it's like the size of a dictionary uh, okay. called Secular Saints. Really? Right. So, like, for instance, if your intentionality was to, to show the, the, the sanctity of holy matrimony and that everybody's called to sanctity, then that might be a good motivation mm-hmm. for wanting to be canonized, to keep on refocusing on the family. So is it appropriate to say, I want to be... If you have the right, let's just assume you have the right motivation. Mm-hmm. Would it be appropriate to say, "I want to be an incorrupt saint"? Uh, you can, you can, you can ask for all those things in prayer, like as, yeah. a, as a petition, as God may or may not. Do right, it. Always, yeah. always adding in from the words of our Lord in the Lord's Prayer, "But Thy will be done." Right. Yeah. Then okay, He will, or He won't. Mm-hmm. My uh, last question I have is, how would you go about telling your kids about incorruptible saints? Like, that's kind of a it's a weird thing that Catholics do. I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing, right? Kind of along what Dave was saying, like it helps to indicate that they're not gone in forever. They're not dead and gone forever. So uh, we know that people who die in our Christian faith, their life has changed, not ended. Mm-hmm. So right. their body has changed to reflect the change into eternal life. In fact, the church usually uses the expression dies natalis, their birthday for when the day that every saint dies, because that's their birthday into eternal life. Yeah. So using those kind of terms, which are venerable terms in the Catholic Church, well, they had their birthday into eternal life, and they kept this beautiful, incorrupt body to show us how pure their soul was, also not corrupted by sin. So that's what God is showing us, that yes, they lived a life of heroic virtue to inspire us to follow them. So Pamela was teaching our girls about incorrupt saints, and I came home from work, and then Elizabeth, my oldest, was telling me all about the saint, and she lived, and she died, and she didn't turn into dirt. That's that's that's, a, that's what she says about the saints. Like she didn't turn into she dirt. Did, she didn't turn into dirt. Turn to dust. Yeah. yeah, you are dust, and to dust you shall return, right. or not. Or, or not. not. You won't turn into dirt. <laughs> Uh, Father, thanks so much for hanging out with us this you evening. Um, also, if you if you join Patreon, we will be announcing the giveaways that we had here pretty soon on live video. So hang in there with us. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. <laughs> <laughs>